Don Mockholtz, and you're listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 132, for the week of July 13, 2022. The related website for this podcast is donmockholz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com. Two H's. What's up in the sky this week? As our week begins on Wednesday, July 13th, the moon is full, with full moon being on Wednesday, July 13th, at 18.36 Universal Time. The full moon this week will be advertised as a supermoon. All that means is that the moon in its non-circular orbit is a bit closer to us this week than normal. The difference is only about 14% between its closest and farthest distance from us. Put another way, From the average distance the moon is from us, it varies about 7% each way. Most people do not notice it. But they will notice that the moon appears larger when near the horizon than when high in the sky. That happens every night, and it's not because the moon changes size. The best theory is that it is an illusion, as when when we look at something near the horizon... We are comparing it to things near the horizon, and somehow our brain's size-distance mechanism readjusts the size of the moon. I've also noticed that constellations seem larger near the horizon, too. By next Tuesday, July 19th, the moon will be 60% full in our morning sky, rising around midnight. The moon passes south of Saturn, on July 15th and 16th. In the morning sky, we have Saturn rising around the time the sky darkens in the evening, so it is up for nearly the whole night. Jupiter now rises around midnight. You might be noticing more meteors in the sky as we approach the summer meteor showers. There are minor meteor showers all the time, But the next major one is the Delta Aquarians, which peak around July 29th. We will discuss it more next week, but generally, these meteors are best seen in the morning hours radiating from the southern sky. The moon will not be a factor for these meteors. However, for the Perseid meteor shower, which peaks August 12th, the moon will be a factor, bright, and up all night. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week, which for our purposes begins Wednesday, July 13th, through Tuesday, July 19th? It depends upon where you are located. This week we have four zones. All you need to know is your latitude. And this week almost Everybody gets to see it. North of 63 degrees north and south of 57 degrees south, 
you will not see the International Space Station this week. But you go north of the equator, from the equator to 63 degrees north, the ISS will be in both your evening and morning skies this week. And some of you, especially those between the latitudes of 35 and 55 degrees north, will be able to see the ISS four times on some nights. Anyone up for an International Space Station marathon? And between the equator and 57 degrees south, the ISS will be in your morning sky for at least part of the week. To determine where it will be in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com and enter your location, then click on ISS. The next couple of months is the best time to observe Comet 2017 K2 Pan-STARRS. Observers living in the Northern Hemisphere will have their last view of the comet in late September when it dips below the southwest horizon. After that, it will be visible only from the Southern Hemisphere. Now, what makes this comet so special? It is a large comet. It was discovered five years ago when beyond the orbit of Saturn, which is rare for a comet. It is not known why it was so active at such a far distance. Comets normally do not do that. Comet 2017 K2 Pan-STARRS will be closest to us on July 14th, still at a far distance of 167 million miles, which is 270 million kilometers. On July 14th and 15th, as seen from the Earth, the comet passes near globular cluster M10. The comet looks good in a telescope, and now it's bright enough to be seen in binoculars. If you notice a tail on the comet, note that it seems to be pointing to the northeast. This is the dust tail. There seems to be little or no gas tail for this comet. It is moving across our sky at a rate of about 0.6 degrees per day, a little more than a moon diameter each night. Comet 2017 K2 Pan-STARRS is plotted on Podcast 132, Maps 1 and 2, which you can get free from my website, donmacholtz.com. For a more detailed map, go to heavens-above.com and click on Comets. I will be giving a Zoom talk this Friday, July 15th, to the Tri-Valley Stargazers of Livermore, California. You can join in, too, via Zoom and listen in. The time is 7.30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Translating it to universal time, that would be 2.30 a.m. on Saturday, July 16th. But for most of you, it will be on Friday night sometime. I will be talking about visual comet hunting, the history of it, and how we do it. The last half of my talk is about my 47 years of comet hunting and the comets I've discovered. It will be a fun talk. 
To join in, don't wait until the last minute. Go to their website, trivalleystargazers.org. That's all one word, trivalleystargazers.org, and read the instructions. Under the heading July Talk, it tells how to register to get a seat in the Zoom room. You need to email the president of the club and ask for the link and tell him a little about your interest in astronomy. Then you will receive the link via email. I give only a few talks a year about my comet hunting program, and this is a rare opportunity to hear about it, and about visual comet hunting in general. Again, this Friday night, July 15th, I hope to see you in the Zoom room. I want to talk about observing in the summer the good and the challenges. The Northern Hemisphere is experiencing summer now, and the Southern Hemisphere will have it in about six months. First, the nights are shorter in the summer than any other time of the year. The sun is north, and it sets later, and it rises sooner than any other time. Go too far north, and the sky does not even get really dark, even at midnight. That will change in a few weeks or months as the sun moves further south. When I did a study on the Messe Marathon, an effort to see all 110 galaxies, clusters, and nebula cataloged by Charles Messier more than 200 years ago, I examined the marathon in the summer. It is usually done in late March, but can be carried out any time of the year with lesser results. As one moves north to perhaps 50 degrees north latitude, their night this week really doesn't last long at all. The time during which the sun is more than 18 degrees below the northern horizon and this is the definition of the end of astronomical twilight and supposedly dark skies, this time span lasts only a few minutes. That makes for a quick messe marathon with most of it being run during various stages of twilight. So yes, you can do a messe marathon in two or three hours. As a visual comet hunter, I have seldom done all-night sessions. My sessions are usually either in the morning, facing east where the sun will soon be rising, or occasionally in the evening, facing the west where the sun has already set. But looking over my records, I see that I've done a dozen or more all-nighters, most of them at this time of the year, when there are only about six hours of darkness. I would then do a couple of hours in the evening sky facing the west, then turn towards the east and start covering the mor morning sky for the remaining four hours. This is not a bad thing. It's a good thing for comet hunting. And getting back to the late sunsets in summer. Public star parties. We always liked to start them as soon as the sky got dark enough to see a fair number of stars. In the summer, in 
Northern California, where we did these star parties for two decades, it would not be that dark until about 9.30. And our star parties lasted 90 minutes, a standard for our star parties, meaning that if we started at 9.30, it would not end until 11 o'clock at night. I never wanted these events to end so late, because from our remote dark sky sites, our guest and us astronomers had to drive more than an hour to get home. So I mentally set our latest end time at 10.30, which meant I had to start these star parties at 9 p.m. Now, at 9 p.m., you could see the brightest stars, but not much else. So this is how we did it. I would start at 9 p.m. giving a short talk about what we would be doing that night, what we will see, how to look through the telescope, and I would introduce the astronomers. That took about 10 minutes tops. Then we would start looking at objects, beginning with the brightest stars, Vega, Arcturus, Antares, Eltar, Deneb, and if any planet was up like Venus, Jupiter, or Saturn, we would show them at this time too. Each telescope would have a different object, and the guest would go from telescope to telescope. Next up would be the double stars now that they have emerged from the twilight. By now it's 9.30 and more stars are visible. Open star clusters would be next. As the sky got darker, we would look at globular clusters, nebula, and galaxies. That's how we did those midsummer public star parties. The summer Milky Way is now visible, and with the warmer nights, it's easy to stay out past midnight. This year, you not only get the Milky Way, but also the planets Saturn and then Jupiter rising in the east. I will always remember this, and this happens to me every summer. For my comet hunting sessions, I always wear a one-piece heavy suit. I do that for protection against bugs and critters, and it also has a lot of pockets for things. In 47 years, it has become a habit. Guess what? It gets hot wearing that suit. Sometimes I'll peel it back down to my waist just to cool off. And something else happens, too. I fog up my eyepiece when I get so warm. Not good. I think the hottest comet hunting session I've had was in the evening once about 30 years ago, when it was 88 degrees Fahrenheit, 31 degrees Celsius. I recall those days living in the San Jose, California area, and driving 40 minutes up to Loma Prieta for my evening comet hunting sessions. I would start at about 9.50 p.m. when it got dark, but quite often by 11 p.m. I would be tired from the long day if I was not mentally set to do the whole night. That was tough. Now, I hear that some of you have mosquitoes in the summer. I have seldom had a problem with them, because usually once it gets dark, they go away. And here at 4,600 feet elevation in Arizona, we do not have mosquitoes. 
I've always thought that the best time for observing, well, it's any time, but the best time is mid-August through late September. It gets dark at a reasonable time. The nights are not cold. The weather is generally good. And the summer Milky Way is visible each evening. To recap the podcast, what's up this coming week? Get out and see the evening sky. The ISS is visible to nearly everyone this week. See Comet Pan Stars and hear my lecture. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don, podcast episode number 132 for July 13, 2022. I'm Don Mockles. Once again, the related website for this podcast is donmockholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com, two H's. You can contact me at dontheastronomer at gmail.com. Once again, all one word, dontheastronomer at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. We'll observe a couple of objects in the evening sky. All that and more. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week.